Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this bumper jam-packed review of the year podcast special. The year in question, of course, being 2017. And the review being of the cinematic year, not the actual year itself, which I think we can all agree was a horrifying shit show. But onwards, we blindly stumble. And here to join me over the next 90 minutes or so to discuss the cinematic year, our three colleagues of such lethal cunning, Nick DeSimlian. Hello. James Dyer. Hi. And Helen O'Hara. Hey up. How are you all? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. We're off to a good start. Yeah. Uh, let's rate the year out of ten. One. Why? Trump. Okay. <laughs> Helen? Um, I mean, it would be a one because of Brexit, but I'm giving it three because of, you know, Hamilton, I guess. <laughs> Does every year get at least three <laughs> Hamilton? Yeah. Just adds three to yeah. every year. Um, oh, I'll go in between two. It's not been good, is it? I might give it an extra half, half a mark because Aaron Sorkin had his directorial debut. So you know, that, good that's, lord, that's a half. The, I'm the, telling him. Yeah, the four star masterpiece that is that is Molly's game. I think we can all agree. Isn't that out in January in this country? Is, is yeah, Dead the Least speaking of this next year. Well, yeah, but I've seen it, and that has made my year at least half a point better. Let's not get bogged down in talk about real world and politics and whatnot. Let's get on with the films. We're going to split this into two parts, uh, this podcast, over the next 90 minutes or so. So the first half will be us discussing readers' questions. So you sent in some questions and some suggestions for categories that we can discuss about the year in question. Uh, and then the second part of the year, we're going to be counting down Empire's top 20 films of the year. And uh, we will be discussing whether we think we got it right. Sounds I have notes. Out. <laughs> I have a couple of notes as well but it's a democratic process it is It is. It. you can't argue with it uh, I all can right. well, you, well yeah you can um, so let's get on with the questions alright so uh, me being me I wrote down the questions but I didn't write down the people who wrote the questions super good so uh, while we're trying to do that I, while you're talking about them I will try and find the names but the first one is uh, what was your guilty pleasure film of the year never mm-hmm. feel guilty about pleasure darling well quite <laughs> It's it's tricky, isn't it, to to isolate because by guilty pleasure kind of implies a bad film that you enjoyed. I mean, there was a Fast and Furious film this year. I mean, which is a, a, as close as one comes to a guilty it, pleasure. It kind of is, isn't it? Mm. That's that's pretty much a guilty pleasure. But I, I thought, would say I, I thought it was a bad Fast and Furious film, and it it, it I it mean wasn't as pleasurable. Uh, it was more guilty and more less guilty pleasurable. Than, <laughs> yeah. I would say than the previous. It had a submarine. Three. It did coming through the ice. This is eight, right? This, this is, is eight. eight. Yeah, yeah. This, it also had <laughs> the eight of the furious. I, I got a lot of yeah, yeah. guilt and pleasure from the Rock versus Stath prison fight. That that uh, that, that, that ticks my boxes. Good. Yeah, yeah. Although the Stath turning good just upset me uh-huh. in a lot of ways. Um, That's incredible retconning. It was massive retconning. We should say, we should say at this point, by the way, this is a review <laughs> of the year podcast and we're going to go be going full spoiler on a lot of the stuff that happened in a lot of the films this year. Yeah, uh, we'll, not, we'll, 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 Jedi. yeah we'll be considerate of yeah. very recent what stuff. What I will say is we should have a rule whereby if we're going to spoil a film, we mention the name of the film and then if people are listening to this on their phone, they can press the 15 seconds forward skip and just move forward a little bit thereby avoiding said spoiler. Like we're going to be able to compress that into 15 seconds. Let's try. You're very very optimistic. Maybe press it a couple of times just to be on the same side. Very optimistic. That was a good fight. And there were things I enjoyed about Fast and Furious 8. And why are we talking about this as the first movie? (laughs) Uh, I think we should do a spoiler special. (laughs) I would probably class... I mean, I I feel guilty even suggesting John Wick 2 is a guilty pleasure. It's not. I think it's an epically good film. It's a pleasure. Um, 
But I think the pleasure I get from it is guilty because it's just watching him massacre people is kind of a guilty pleasure. Do you know what I mean? In the same way that, like, when you watch Taken, you're just like, yes, God, I wish I was you. You know, it it has that. Like, I want to be John Wick. Is that what you see, James, when you close your eyes? It's just Kenny Reeves slaying people. Well, you know, in the office, when we're talking and you just see me drift away for a second after you've annoyed me, what I'm envisioning (laughs) is a lot of what happens in the third act of John Wick 2. A lot of gun fu. Yeah. What about Valerian? Um, I I had to look up the title, even though I, I covered the this film for the magazine and the city of a thousand yeah. planets Luke not Besson, the planet of a thousand cities Luke Besson is guilty we had no pleasure I, I, I <laughs> no there was pleasure to be had just not as much of it as there should have been mm. that, I mean, that was the thing look, for me I like a CG heavy film about little cute dinosaurs that ship magic pearls as much as the next person but that particular <laughs> one I think wasn't the best in that Specific subject. I thought there were some great sequences in that day. I thought the, the the bit with the big weird alien king when there's a big banquet and everyone's bringing in food and that was fun. That's demented. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that I felt really like that. a weird experimental sort of Belgian animation. Yeah. Arguably, the Mummy. I didn't dislike the Mummy. I know oh, a lot of people do, okay. and I can absolutely 100 percent see why. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but Tom Cruise was working so hard to be entertaining that I was entertained. <laughs> I, I remember James, Chris, and myself sitting in a wasabi in a train station. <laughs> Post mummy, and oh, just geez. shaking our heads. I don't think there was even much conversation. Oh, yeah. It was just, it was just. Uh, it's, Tom Cruise and, yeah. was not the problem with the. Film. No, he was not. No. But there were problems. There were problems. I, I yes. would say he was the best thing in it by a country. Mile. Yes, he was. Like, yes. On sheer charisma, he stopped me from gouging out my own eyes and begging for undeath, and that in itself is something. Apart mm. from there was some weird dialogue where it's all about how great he is at sex. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, that, that was, was odd. Like, that was, was odd. There was some odd like he had clearly done a pass on it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, has, has anyone going to say Kong Skull Island? Um, yeah, um, I mean, I, I did watch it again recently. Um, it's, it's it's fine. I, I just I just feel like there's about twenty characters too many in that film. There are too many, yeah, and um, probably a few too many monsters. Uh, some of the some of the secondary monsters were fun. I, I my problem is with Kong himself because mm. I love the Peter Jackson one. I think mm. He has so much personality in and charisma for like a big CG gorilla in that film and I think in Skull Island Kong is just a bit doesn't really you don't really feel anything for him yeah I, I agree I think they went back to the classic design and but it, it just looks weird now it looks really really weird yeah. um, and very unnatural in a strange way even though the CG was, was obviously phenomenal he does I, twat things with a tree my favourite part of that film was uh, Jordan is it Vote Roberts I can never remember yeah. his name yeah. uh, his honest review that he did did you see yes it? that was I mean, great geniusly self-effacing really really good and also very accurate yeah yeah it, it isn't he's a great guy and he's I'm such a great to... guy. No, he's such a great guy. <laughs> oh, hey, Jordan, me, me and George, Jordy. He's, he's, a, he's a lovely man, and he's making Metal Gear Solid next, and I'm excited about that. But yeah, I don't think Scott. You mean are you saying this partly because you basically wet, took a gap year with him? <laughs> I mean, which was essentially your travelled round right I mean, the world. This, this was the most extraordinary jolly. It was Nick's travelogue <laughs> sponsored by Kongskar Island. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go? How many continents did um, you straddle? With only the three. Joint? I mean, uh, they didn't even go to Antarctica. Out. Uh, Hawaii, <laughs> Australia, and Vietnam. Good oh, lord. And I went to someone famous's birthday party, but I'm not allowed to say who. No, you're not, that's right. You're Although, not allowed to say who. He's not allowed to say who. And was I had asked a dance off with, with, with. Why are you not allowed to say who? Did you I sign just, a, an embargo? It didn't. It was made of cake, yeah. Uh, no, I, um, I was just asked not to. You were asked not to? Yeah. All right. I, that was back in the day. I don't, maybe it's all right. Maybe I can. I don't know. It was Tom Hiddleston. Anyway. <laughs> We're all friends here. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple. 
sure. really, really, really quick. By the way, the question came from MiniDan96 on Twitter. Uh, you Dan, find I it. I found it. Uh, this is what I'm trying to do. While you guys are just blundering on, I will try and find the, the questions. I really liked, and I didn't expect this at all, a little film called Table 19. Oh, yeah, I saw that. It was good. Now, yeah, I enjoyed it. See, I went in to see this film, Table 19, and I was assigned it at the last minute, and I went in like a man going to his own execution because I had just skim-read some reviews of it on Twitter, and they were poisonous. The worst thing everyone in this movie will ever be involved with, and it's got a really good cast, Anna Kendrick and Lisa Kudrow and June Squibb and Stephen Merchant and Tony Revolori and Craig Robinson, and it's about um, and, and, and uh, Wyatt Russell, who's very, mm. very good in this. And it's about a, 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 a lady played by Annie, Annie, Annie Kendrick. Annie, <laughs> I like to call her Annie. She doesn't know that I like to call her that. Going to a wedding and it's all very awkward. And she gets stationed on the table near the toilets with all the, the dregs, all the people who are like the last minute invitees and they, you know, they're, just, they're, they're stuck by the bogs. And they bond and they have a, a, a wonderful experience. And I thought it was really fun. Mm. And it's really, really surprised me. So table 19. And uh, also there is Captain Underpants. Which I saw on a plane recently and made me laugh um, more, I think, than any animated movie this year. Wow. It's really good. Okay. Really funny. Mm. I have been railing against Nick Kroll. And I, two films this year he's in and he made me laugh in both. I, I'm now, I'm, sh- I'm shaken to my very core. I know loads of people think he's, he's amazing. I've, mm. n- I've always struggled to find the funny in, in Nick Kroll. Uh, but he's very funny in a couple of moments in The House which is better than you, you might imagine. Yeah, I watched that on a plane. It was good. Yeah, it's, it's, it is. Well, it's, it was... It, it, it does was, some interesting things. Yeah. It, you know, it's quite funny and it's quite, you know, hardcore in a, in a weird way. Uh, and he's very funny as well in, in Captain Underpants. Uh, so do check uh, that movie out as well. Right, should we move on to another question? Yes. Right. Okay, here comes another question. Are you ready? Are you ready for another question? So, right, yeah, just go on. Come on. I, I, I've lost a question. Oh, good Lord. Oh, here we go. Which film can you see becoming your go-to film for 2017? And by that, the film that you will watch as Sakur after a, a, a terrible day at the office and you'll go, oh, I want to watch this film now and feel better about my life. Geostorm. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I genuinely don't think anything has brought me more joy this year in the cinema than um, the scene in Geostorm in which Gerard Je- Butler and um, Jim Sturgis, who are playing Ameri- both playing Americans, I think, um, Allegedly, yes. They have a conversation. Gerard Butler's in space. Jim Sturgis is on Earth, and they have a conversation. And then Jim Sturgis goes, "Hang on," and he replays it on a video screen. But he takes out some of the words. Oh, that's right. That yeah. is that it's, is it's, the greatest it's, scene. It's in... a code-breaking scene. Yes, and it's glorious. His brother uh, Jerry Butler, because Jerry Butler is so super smart that he can he can communicate to his brother in a code that only he his brother will understand. And his brother Len. <laughs> Get someone to really to edit out different words, leaving only the, the key words of oh. Jerry's message. It is an extraordinary scene. How the hell was that not your guilty pleasure? Hours what? will seem like days. Eh? Mm. Guilty pleasure, greatest movie, <laughs> go-to movie, all of the categories. Really. This is a Geostorm. This is a review of the year 2017, but it's also going to double as a Geostorm spoiler special. <laughs> Forensic detail. <laughs> really, it's Geostorm the movie that you're gonna you're gonna sit down and watch and. No, uh, and cuddle up with on the sofa. Absolutely not. Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. I think. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I think maybe my serious answer is probably Baby Driver. I've watched that six times now. You're kidding me. I really like it. Six times. Six times I've seen it. Yeah. Six times. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. What I, a year for you. You've been to Hiddleston's party. <laughs> <laughs> that was last year. Oh. But um. Yeah. Oh, did he not invite you back this year? No. Oh, man. Point. What did you do? What did you do? Uh, that's the part we definitely. Yeah. All the cake. <laughs> 
baby it's, driver. It's probably going to be one of the funnier, less challenging superhero y movies like Wonder Woman or Spider Man Homecoming or Lego Batman for me. Um, I will probably go back to those more so often. Or John Wick too. I mean, I've been back to John Wick like a lot. Like sometimes you just come home and you're like, I want to watch somebody shoot people in the head. And, you know, who else do you turn to? Helen, I feel that we're really bonding on this podcast. We have much more in common than I ever dreamed. I'm slightly nervous this podcast. Turn into a gun-fu I mean, frenzy. I'm going to say Thor's got to be one of Chris's, and I only say this because you've already seen it more times than I will ever see it for the rest of my life. I haven't seen it as many times as uh, Nick has seen Baby Driver. Really? Six times. I Cor- you, correct I yourself. You saw Thor six times, didn't you? Yeah, I've seen four, four times. Four Ragnarok. Four Ragnarok. Four Ragnarok. And I, I should also say that uh, two of those were for work. One of those was for Q and A. I was supposed to do a Taika Waititi, and the fourth one went with my uh, my drinking game buddy, my wife. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it for fun since. Mm. I don't think I've seen anything more than four times this year. So I wonder one four times one. again. Yeah, a lot great. of that was uh, was for work. Yeah, four four is my my maximum. I think this year. Um, mm. Yeah, I think comedies are more rewatch. I, I've seen yeah. Dunkirk mm. twice, both at mm-hmm. first thing in the morning because um, mm. the press screenings were at IMAX, so you had to watch it really, really early. This was a year where you needed comedies, and I think that's that's why. Yeah, just you want to rewatch the comedies. It's a shame that most of the comedies then just didn't live up to expectations. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it was a, a pretty pretty bad year for comedies. The house was was roundly derided, but. And did really, really badly at the box office, mm. but I quite enjoyed it. Uh, Helen, I know you liked Girls Trip, but... I didn't hate that, yeah. yeah, Girls Trip was that, all right. I haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm waiting to see it. It's coming out soon on, on DVD. Very refreshing, yeah. Um, and I, I, otherwise, Baywatch was a complete oh. write-off, a complete disaster. Uh, Jumanji, which we'll talk about in the regular podcast as well. Uh, sorry. Jumanji's quite fun. I, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, that was somewhat of a redemption for The Rock for me, but uh, I think... You know, I'm going to try desperately to this to make it that it doesn't become just me saying Paddington 2 for every category, but Paddington 2 is oh, yeah. the, the movie that I'm absolutely, I can just see myself uh, curling up with that and uh, a hot, hot cup of cocoa and <laughs> those Originals and my little blanket and, and my euthanasia kit. And I'm just going to be, it's going to be fun. Have a fun time with a, with a marmalade loving bear. Excellent. Yeah. That question came from at misc underscore Annie. Mine's Star Wars, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> You're going to wrap, wrap up warm with, uh, with The Last Jedi? I am. Okay. Every no, day. Forever. No spoilers, though. No spoilers. None. Uh, okay, here's a question. Uh, MCU aside, with the collapse of the Dark Universe... Oh, this is more of a kind of... Uh, exploratory question. Mm. Okay. Mm. MCU aside, with the collapse of the Dark Universe and Justice League underperforming, was 2017 the year when cinematic universes died? And is this a good thing? So, how many of them died? Well, died is a strong yeah, word. Just that the DCEU hasn't died. It's no. just limping on eternally, as it always has done. Yeah. This is from um, Ian 999. It, di- it's it could- got one good leg, which is Wonder Woman, <laughs> yeah. and then all its other limbs are... <laughs> Maimed in some way. Yeah. It's basically the Black Knight from Holy yeah. Grail. Yeah. It's a mere flesh wound. Yeah. <laughs> your arm's off. No, it isn't. <laughs> Come back. I'll um, bite your legs off. You've yeah. lost your cyborg movie. No, I haven't. I, don't I mean, the, the, even the Dark Universe is continuing in a sense, isn't it? They're still going to do it's the Bride of Frankenstein. Continuing in a sense that it's not continuing. <laughs> yeah. It's basically... So hang on, so Bride of Frankenstein, the 
um, is not ha- the Bill Condon film is is not happening. It does not appear to be happening. Really, in is, its current this form. This isn't the death of a cinematic universe. This is the death of hubris, though, isn't it? Because there was no cinematic universe. You don't get to make one film, whack a logo on the front, and say we've launched a dark universe. It's like, especially a shit film. Do you know what I mean? It's like no, please have some humility. Actually, you know, baby steps. Do something good. Build on it. Don't just incredibly, incredibly cynically say we would really like a load of money. Well, at least they had a nice time shooting that photograph. Of well, yes. Yeah. Actually, no. They were all done. That was all done separately. So yeah. Even, Probably, yeah. Yeah. So they never even met. Well, I mean, the Lego cinematic universe is arguably still going strong. Ninjago and <sighs> Lego Batman this year. Um, so it's not, you know, across the board. Uh, Hobbs, I believe, is still a thing that's in development for the Fast and Furious spin-off. I, I, not if Tyrese has like, anything to do with it. Well, <laughs> but he doesn't. No, exactly. I feel like the Lego thing. I don't know how you guys. No, feel, I'm with you. But I'm I feel like it was a novelty film. I enjoyed it, but I think just pumping out more and more Lego films is like I've, I've seen it done. Even Lego Batman, I felt was diminishing returns. You know how when someone comes out of Paddington and say they don't like it, you look at them as if they're just like basically Hitler. Like I feel a lot the same way as. As someone who thinks the Lego films are dreadful, I feel like somehow I failed as a human being. Yeah. But I just can't enjoy them, any of them. Yeah, I had the same experience. I, I, I caught Lego Batman on, on Blu-ray and I was really looking forward to it and I watched it. I didn't enjoy it particularly and I felt really guilty. I was like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. There's some yeah. broken I mean, inside. there is something broken with both of you. You should be ashamed. We're that's broken right. shells that's of humanity. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I don't know if that's... Because if that's, that's one of Warner Brothers... Big mm. franchise, and people love it. I, people do love it. So it is just us. But I mean, it felt like Ninjago. Even there wasn't that much. Yeah, I didn't watch that. Well, there weren't really very many press screenings for that. At least but I wasn't invited to one. So I I'm don't saying feel like it's a film people were talking about generally, <laughs> but, or that there was much excitement. No, but any time I heard anybody talking about it, it all seemed to be very positive. You know, okay. so I did like the tagline, "The Ninja Within You." Yeah, uh, that was a great tagline. But also, it really bugged me that it was called the Lego Ninjago movie. Ninjago is an exclusively Lego property. So it's a it's a tautology, and that just no oh, no stop oh, it. Cool. They have to have it's, the. It's just the Ninjago movie. But it's like Fantastic there is no non Lego Ninjago. <laughs> the crimes of famed criminal Grindelwald. Let's not yeah. let's not bring Grindelwald into it. Yeah, probably best. That's a Grindelwald of hurt right there. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here all day. Otherwise, um, what was the question? It's hard to say. Um, universes. I think there. Oh, I yeah. think what we've learned is that there's. I think there's going to be a bit of a re- retranchement or retrenchment or whatever of um, of the announcement of cinematic universes before you've you know earned them. Um, and I think that's probably a good thing. Um, and I think there's going to be a little bit more subtlety, I suspect, in setting them up. Mm-hmm. I would hope in future. Indeed, they just should have teased. You know, with the mummy especially. I think. Yeah. Don't show prodigium. Don't show the whole of it in the first film. Don't show Jekyll and you know you can just Welcome tease things. But they didn't. The monsters. Thank you, Chris. I like. I like. <laughs> was it idea. Chris or was it Russell Crowe? He like, just popped in here for a second. It was so weird. <laughs> hey, Russ. Welcome to New World. But Chris, you you predicted wrongly, um, <laughs> but I thought quite intriguingly that Tom Cruise could have been a. I'm not sure it was character. my prediction, but I'll take credit for it. I mm. think I, I think I read it on the internet and it passed it off as my own theory. But that's yeah. un- understandable. The problem that almost every tech startup has had since 2000, where something takes off and gets really big, and everyone tries to reverse engineer it to try and create recreate that success. Yeah. And you know, the MCU obviously works extremely well and makes a lot of money. So everyone's mm. trying to reverse engineer that. Was actually just make great films, make superb new mm. IPs, explore them, and if they do well, you know, and there's a foundation there, build on them. And and remember, like Nick Fury didn't turn up until the credits 
of Iron Man. It, it wasn't interfering with the story. There was no, you know, big build up. There was no time wasted on setup within the film. Yeah, and they didn't announce Avengers immediately either. And they they took baby steps. I listened to a very interesting interview with Clark Gregg on the West Wing Weekly podcast. Uh, he's of course Agent Casper, <laughs> who changed his name to Coulson when you know because the West Wing verse and the MCU are intertwined the through the character of, of Agent Casper. Yeah. Uh, and he was saying that you know he appeared in one, and they were like, oh, could you just do this scene here? And they were like, oh, because you've got to go to New Mexico, and he was like, what, what for? Oh, you're you're in Thor as well. Yeah, you're going to love it. You know, and it all kind of and he started to see the pieces all kind of fall into place mm. uh, and he said it was quite interesting and unexpected um you know do more of that yeah apparently he uh, he only found out he was an avengers uh when joss whedon told him literally before they were about to go on stage at comic-con i don't know how true that is it sounds like a great story <laughs> it's like oh really uh, oh, we should probably talk pay now should we? <laughs> if i'm in it if it's, if it's a done deal then we should certainly i mean i want 20 points against gross which is something I read in a business uh, magazine. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but it made me sound really smart. Let me tell you, it's something that Clark get Greg didn't I know, get I know. <laughs> for yeah. Avengers. Hey, everybody, I think Agent Coulson is integral to this movie. I want 20%, 20, 20% the gross. Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello? All right, okay. So that's that question dealt with. Okay, here's a question from at X, Lisa X, uh, who's very funny on Twitter, and you should follow her. Uh, so... Which movie were you honestly surprised you enjoyed? Um, I was a bit worried about Jumanji and The Greatest Showman, actually, towards the end of the year. I didn't, I wasn't sure if either of them were going to be great, and I had a really good time at both. This is going up after the 20th, right? So I can this say is, that. Yeah, this is okay. going up, yeah. <clears throat> and I, yeah, I really, really enjoyed both, and I have now got The Greatest Showman soundtrack on repeat. Here's the thing, so do I. <laughs> It's well, not, not on repeat, but it's in my head. Yeah, I, the opening number, I cannot stop humming in my head. Yeah, even though I didn't necessarily love the film. But yeah, can you give us a quick, um, <laughs> quick little snippet from it? I don't know the lyrics. This is apparent, but yeah. <laughs> I'm Hugh Jackman. Hello. I'm Hugh Jackman, mate. This is my movie. Look at me, big claws. I've got lovely claws. That's oh, what my We haven't even mentioned Logan yet. It hasn't come up that's, in any yeah, of these categories. None of these categories apply to Logan, mm. I would say. Um, I, I'm going to go with Jumanji as well. I thought mm. it was really surprising. I'm going to say a film here because I'm looking at the questions and I don't really see anywhere where this film fits in, but Colossal. Colossal is yeah, a film yeah. that uh, I... It came... There are lots of films this year that came very, very close to making my personal top ten and just fell away. And Colossal is one of those. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Totally not the film I was expecting. Uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a film where Anne Hathaway plays uh, a woman who finds that she is responsible for materialization in South Korea of a giant monster. A kaiju. A, a dai kaiju. kaiju, to be precise. Okay, thanks, James. Uh, <laughs> I know why you're here. <laughs> for moments like this. Uh, uh, what is, what's the difference? It's bigger. Okay, good. <laughs> and, uh, and instead of it being a big monster smashing things movie, and instead of it being a comedy, which the trailers presented it as, it's actually a really interesting drama yeah. about a woman uh, going through a battle with you could say a drink problem uh, and with an abusive ex and it takes interesting dark turns I think really she's fantastic mm. Jason Sudeikis is great in this His as well best performance I've I would seen, say actually. yeah I would say so and uh, it's it's really really great I am 
as we speak right now, going to retcon my top ten list of the uh, list of year <laughs> and put that in it. And the reason I'm going to do it is because the four star masterpiece that is Molly's game, as you pointed out, Good is Lord. out next year. So the four star masterpiece that is Molly's game will have to come off my list into next year's three list. stars, uh, four star masterpiece. At which point, at which point, I can put in the equally four star masterpiece castle. So that's good. I mean, I agree yeah. with the last part. Can I just say, if you did enjoy Colossal, um, the director, Nacho Vigalando, uh, mm-hmm. his film Time Crimes is amazing. I've heard um, really good things about that. I've not seen it. Nobody has seen it. Um, well, he has, presumably. He has seen it. <laughs> I have seen it. We may be the only ones. But um, it's, it's, I've been banging on about that for years. It's a really good um, time travel kind of head fuck kind of. Oh, yeah. Great, no, that's right. Budget it's, movie. It's a great, uh, great time travel movie. Uh, I saw it next week. <laughs> It's very good. Uh, my answer to this question is split. Uh, you didn't think you'd like it. But, um, you didn't think you'd like it. Another but, um, film that just squeaked down my top ten. Yeah, it's very good. Mm. Yeah, very I mean, like, to be honest, I wasn't completely surprised I liked it because by the time I saw it, I'd heard a lot of good things about it. But um, yeah, it's, it was really nice to have a genuinely really good Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. Although I quite like The Visit. I'm going to go with The Beguiled, actually, in this category because I sort of Ooh. went to see it because I thought it would be... Good, you know, in the same way that you have, you know, whole meal bread, whole meal bread, because you think it'll be healthier a little bit. But it, it was hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, and uh, and Colin Farrell's brilliant in it, and he's also brilliant in uh, the killing of a sacred deer. And it is amazing to look at those two Colin Farrells next to each other and reflect that they are the same man at roughly the same age. <laughs> Either of them turn into Johnny Depp. No, which is a good thing because, quite frankly, that is a downgrade. Colin, so. Colin Farrell's so good. He's and so he, good. He's got a lot of. When he came on the scene, he was denounced by many as just a pretty boy. And he's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. He's very, very good in both of those films. Mine would probably be God's Own Country. Uh, oh, mainly yeah. because, you know, a film about northern farmers is not something one would naturally think would fall into my wheelhouse. Um, and Doesn't yet, even have Aaron Sorkin. Uh, well, do you know what I mean? Aaron Sorkin <laughs> didn't write it. You know, it's set up north. It's quite rural. I'm there's, just, there's no lightsabers. I mean, I mean, there's very little sort of gun in it. I mean, some, yeah. but Anything not north lots. of Watford and you begin to have, like, a I panic mean, attack. You're not wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it's not... It, it, I, and I went to see it, and genuinely one of my favourite films of the year. It is high up on my list of top ten. I thought it was so good. Uh, and I came out, and I was genuinely... I felt like a better person. I felt like Phil Assembly would have been incredibly proud of me for seeing that <laughs> and liking it, um, given that it had a budget less than 100 million. Similarly, The Florida Project, which I yes. think is one which I really, really loved. But Phenomenal a child's film. eye view of essentially a council estate near Disneyland is not... Or Disney World, I should say, is not necessarily something that I would normally queue to see. But mm-hmm. I thought it was mm-hmm. fantastic, phenomenal, and phenomenal performance oh from, God, um, yeah. from the girl in it, whose name is well, she's Mooney Brooklyn, Brooklyn Prince, Brooklyn Prince. Brooklyn Prince. She's yeah. fantastic. She what a name! Yeah, what a name! I was I, I discovered yesterday that the uh, young star of A Wrinkle in Time is called Storm Reed. Amazing. Storm. I yeah. mean, that's just a fantastic you know what? name. That's how you start your acting career, is you get called Storm Reed, and then your first film is opposite freaking Oprah. How is she not in a Fantastic Four movie? Well, I think, I think <laughs> this, is, this is interesting, because you're going to get a lot of kids now who are going to be named after comic book characters and named after people in pop culture, aren't you? So this Logan is Xavier. I would say this is an X-Men-influenced name. I mean, I've always said to my wife that I would love to call, if we ever had a son... I'd love to call that son Logan or um, Raimi. Yeah. And she says, fuck off. Uh, yeah, it's weird, actually. though. It's so, it's so weird. So I've settled for Carlito. 
<laughs> or Chewbacca as a as a backup. Carlito or Grogu. I think she'll definitely go for Chewbacca. I don't think you'll have any problems there, Chris. Carlito, Chewbacca, Anfield Hewitt. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> should we get back to the question? Sure. Uh, did we answer that to everyone's satisfaction? I mean, do we even care? Uh, yes, we do care. <laughs> oh, do I, I apologise. Life, life was uh, surprisingly good as well. I like life. Yeah. yeah. Which is great because life this year was actually not that great, but life, the movie, was pretty good. Hey, I life thought. found a way. Yeah, yeah. I was literally going to say that, yes. Um, especially the last five minutes, which yeah. were, I kind of think, the ending of that film kind of made it. I would say it's probably the best alien movie of the year, which, given that there was an actual alien movie. <laughs> yeah. Is high president. That, that, that had a good ending as well. I thought. Com- I mean, I thought Covenant mm. had a lot of issues. Um, yeah. I I thought the kind of the way it ended was actually kind of brilliant and yeah. really I enjoyed ballsy. the fact that it ended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, flute, the flute scene was uh, yes. the fingering the flute scene was exceptional. Oh, well, that was um, sex I, scene of the year. There, I think anyone who didn't see that ending coming at least twenty minutes beforehand yeah. wasn't paying any attention at all. Yeah. It was telegraphed in a way that I'd almost never seen before. It was just. Really? Yeah. This is what you're doing? Yeah, okay. I'll do the fingering. <laughs> fnar, fnar. I mean, you know. All right, here's another question. This comes from at Adam Fowler ITV, who is Adam Fowler, who works for ITV. And he asks, your best and worst moments with interviewees this year would be good. They always give me the lols. Thanks, Adam. Oh, Ooh. there are a few of these. Have you there? had any worsts? Worsts? I've had a couple I mean, of them. I had a very stressful time in Will Smith's hotel room. <laughs> Specifically, the bathroom. Wow! Did you know you were there? Um, um, he wasn't there, but um, this was a Comic Con. What were you doing in Will Smith's bathroom when he wasn't there? <laughs> he was at the, he was so he had a suite at the Hard Rock Cafe, and I was going over to interview him and the rest of the Bright cast. Yes. And the guy in the lobby, I said, "I'm here for Will Smith," and the guy just went, "Yep," and took me straight up to his room. Didn't check, didn't check, didn't ask any more questions. So I went up, and then they were doing a quick photo shoot but there was nowhere to do the interview so I was panicking and I was running around and um, the only place I could do it I would, somebody uh, suggested I do it on the bed like we all lie down on the bed and do the interview so I, I, said, I, said, that I said that no I'm not going to do that <laughs> so I panicked and I, I thought the bathroom is the only place where we could do it and um, it was incredibly stressful because there was a TV that I couldn't turn off <laughs> This is classic design. We're trying to find the remote control. Or either of you using the toilet while this interview happened. <laughs> no, um, Kill two birds with one stone. No. Okay. No, there was no... Um, so it was probably the most stressed out I've been this year. Where, where, where were people sitting? I had to find chairs and take them into the bathroom. Oh, good lord. <laughs> it wow. worked out okay, but it was, it was uh, unusual. So I that mean, was, that was, that's uh, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, in terms of bad ones, I mean, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before. My Donald Gleason Last Jedi interview was pretty excruciating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it was, uh, we're 13 minutes in, and he'd been so frosty and so difficult. And, and I just, I just, I couldn't work out why he was being so difficult and so, like, hostile. Uh, and then I mentioned something about the Last Jedi feature, and he just went, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I've made a complete balls of this. I've been waiting for you to ask about Winnie the Pooh. You know, I just thought you'd been a cheeky fucker asking about Star Wars. He <laughs> thought it was a goodbye Christopher Robin interview. And after that, he was lovely. But that was most of the interview, just him going, no, yes, no, no. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he was good in Goodbye Christopher Robin. That's a that's a movie that I thought was going to be dreadful. Actually, that's one I was really surprised by because I thought it was going to be completely saccharine and awful. And it's actually really hard edged that film, while still being you know uh, another cosy British author biopic. But it's it's yeah. it's much better than you think it's going to be. My best interview of the year actually James was there as well, 
and it was Keanu Reeves for John Wick 2, which was absolutely phenomenal. Now, I've talked about this before, but Keanu Reeves is the person who, I don't know why, starstrikes me the most. Yeah. Like, completely starstruck. And and, and this time, at least, I was braced for it. I'd interviewed him before at this point. I was was prepared. I was armoured. I was able to hold it together during the interview, I think, mostly. I don't really know. Uh... But he still get he still got it. Like I don't know what it is. If it's charisma, if it's just the fact that I fancied him when I was thirteen, I don't know. But you don't know. I don't. I can't tell. But it, he's he's amazing. I think. I mean, I'm not saying I'd say no, but I'm just saying like it's not like it was when I was thirteen. That's fair. He's disgustingly handsome. I I did because um, I did John Cena recently for I think last week's wasn't it for for Ferdinand. That I really ago. enjoyed two weeks ago. I really enjoyed that interview. But there was one part and I don't know if I made it into the interview. There's one bit where I'm talking about like oh yeah I really like the Ultimate Warrior and I stopped watching wrestling mm-hmm. in 1991. Oh, it made it in. And you can't, you won't hear this, but there's, he just stopped talking and just gave me this incredibly flat, steely, kind of flinty look. And I was like, okay, no, you, you probably you, you hear get me. You get that. <laughs> you get me, like, like verbally reversing course yeah. and trying to realign. This is because you are pathologically incapable of telling people lies, I think, during interviews. Uh, it, it harkened back for me to an amazing moment when we had Gillian Anderson on the podcast. No! Right back in the uh, early days of the podcast, we had Gillian Anderson come into our booth and... Uh, she was promoting the fall, the first, the fall, the first yeah. series of the yeah. fall, and Jimbo here, who has no filter, <laughs> uh, went. So I watched your TV show, The Fall, Gillian, and uh, it surprised me because it's actually quite good. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Inference being, everything you've done since X Files is shit. Um, See, the worst part of that wasn't even that. It was when I then brought up slash fiction, X Files <laughs> oh, slash fiction, God. and she shut me down and completely oblivious. I pressed on with it. <laughs> Twice she continued, and then in the end she just gave up and talked about it. <laughs> but clearly didn't want to. I was like, oh, the bit with Skinner and Crycheck and it should be said she was absolutely lovely. Like she was one of the nicest people. Uh, yeah, that I mean, that was few. And she hugged us at the but end. But she of turned it. up. Yeah, she just came in a taxi, took yeah. us to Starbucks, bought us bought coffee. coffee. Yeah, and then yeah. when we did the podcast, we went. We tried to wrap it up, and she went. You got somewhere to be, <laughs> and then carried on. Yeah, no, and we did it for another half an hour. So but, she's and great. then the other part of this, which I don't think we've ever, def- ever mentioned on here, is the podcast booth was very small and very cold when we got in. So we turned the heat up, and by the end, it was a, a sweat box, and b there was a very pungent kind of body smell <laughs> in the room, and it was incredibly overpowering. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> alien. And then there was hugging at the end. And it was like, oh god, I don't want to hug you. This isn't good. I'm blaming too for all of it. it was um, definitely you. This year, I, we, we do a kind of series in the magazine where we get directors together. So we ask one director, who would you most, which other director would you most mm. like to, to talk to? And this year we got together Paul Feig. He picked Richard Curtis because he loves Love Actually. And <laughs> so we got them together in LA and they had never met before. And it was just really lovely kind of seeing them just chatting and, and cool. making plans to hang out. And so that was nice. So, you know, I should, felt like I should have got a cut. <laughs> you know, some kind of matchmaking I, um, I met Al Gore this year that was very very exciting for me that's pretty cool I, I felt so out of my depth in that interview it was like here's a serious proper human not a film person a man who was let's be honest elected president uh, and who knows an awful lot of stuff and I'm like yes the environment is good we should save it oh god cars are bad and uh, yeah please don't ask me to explain yeah. why any of this I, think, I don't know I think I styled it out well done, well done. Um, James Mangold for Logan also I thought was, was really yeah, fascinating. He, he was, he was really good fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I interviewed him again for the magazine and uh, for the viewing guide and he, he started the phone up by going, 
Chris, haven't I fucking talked enough about this goddamn movie to you already? <laughs> what else can I say about it? <laughs> So that was fun. A shout out to my brother Phil, who uh, went out to um, the Mojave Desert to hang out with Dale Dye, who is the the toughest man in the world. He's the yeah. guy who basically makes movie stars do press ups. And apparently, there were a few dicey moments too. <laughs> I mean, there was a moment where the photographer asked him to um, if he would p- pretend to pull the pin out of a grenade. Mr. Steve, and I mean, Dale Dye just gave him a thousand yard stare, and basically came very close to killing him. But yeah, he survived that. That's a great article. That was actually a very good article. I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Uh, this is the year I finally interviewed Stephen King. Well, so, yes. what a, what you're a, like the biggest King fanboy. So. What a year it was for him. Uh, <laughs> you, Chris. He's telling, he's telling his family about that. Oh my God, I was interviewed by that guy from Empire. Uh, he asked me really softball questions. Um, it was only 15 minutes, but uh, it was glorious because I've wanted to talk to Steve King. <laughs> he likes me to call him uh, for a long, long time. And who else was good this year? I didn't really have any bad experiences this year. I think you can listen to... Well, listen, you be the judge. You can listen to all the podcast interviews we've done over the years, uh, over the year, and if you think they were bad, then fair enough. Uh, Woody Harrelson. I got some closure this year with Woody Harrelson. Long story, cut very, very short. One of my very first experiences is Empire. Uh, I've told this before in the podcast, which is why I'm telling it very fast, is I went to interview Woody Harrelson for Think Called Public Access, which is reader's questions. He was not in a good mood. It was not a nice day outside. He took exception to some of my questions uh, and threatened to leave. If the questions didn't improve, the questions didn't improve. He walked out during the interview and <laughs> and it was and I was like, oh my God, am I going to be fired? I've been in this job three months. I'm going to be fired. I uh, wasn't and uh, this year he did his live film Lost in London at which was a film that he shot live in January uh, with a cast including Owen Wilson and Willie Nelson and, and Peter Ferdinando and people like that uh, really interesting technical exercise and I did the on stage Q&A with him and his cast afterwards and he was really really lovely and uh, that was a that was a moment of closure. We have a hand a shot of us shaking hands afterwards. He completely ignored me. I well, was there. Fair. We did on Facebook Live. I oh, this is the, the previous yeah. night. Yeah, and he he came through and he went, "Hi, Chris," and shook your hand. And I was like, "I am basically <laughs> invisible. I'm just the guy with the camera." You get yeah. your closure in ten years. And that's yeah. right. There so you th- go. Th- yeah. This was my public access moment. So yeah, I need to I need to get that. This wasn't really. I, I, I think mine were okay this year. The, the, the worst things I had were sort of phone interviews with a slight delay on the line. So you've uh, got. Yeah. There's no oh. chance to build up a rhythm or yeah, any kind hot. of. Oh, okay. sorry, you go on. Yep. But I, nope. No, I'm sorry, had you finished? Final no, question, sorry. please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those were awful. Um, but I was at a junket with a journalist who will remain nameless. We were doing round table interviews, and a journalist fell asleep. During a round table. No. Yes. There were, I mean, it, we're not talking like a press conference here. There's about six journalists in the room. We're literally around a large conference table with several people who were talking us through the technical aspects of this film. And, and this journalist visibly, obviously, fell asleep. Ah, that's bad. That was, that was not that's good. That's nearly as bad as my Ben Mendelsohn story. Um, so I went to Cannes, and this was a while back. This was uh, Killing Them Softly was coming out. So, yeah, he was there for uh, Killing Them Softly, and there was a round table with a bunch of journalists sitting around the table. And Ben Mendelsohn had arrived early, so he, the, the, the publicist hadn't kind of started it. So he just kind of sat down at the table, was waiting with everyone else. And then a journalist came in and was basically like... Does anyone know anything about Ben Mendelssohn? And, and started talking about him. It was, it, it was, it was awful. <laughs> awful. Did, did he say, oh, yeah, mate. And then there was a terrible. point where they were like, right, if you guys want to start. And I think he it's must like, have. Oh, my God. It's actually, oh. I, remember, I remembered my worst. I remember my worst. Um, and it wasn't bad in that the, the, the interview was actually lovely, but it was David Lowry for A Ghost Story. And I had a horrible cold. 
I mean, just the worst cold, even worse than the one you could hear a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Uh, laid me out for 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 a couple of weeks actually. And there's a moment I actually thought about including this in the interview when we when we did it. There's a moment where I start. I have a coughing fit that lasts for three minutes. <laughs> And I, he's he's in the middle of a really, really long answer. He's a great guy, really verbose, uh, really articulate. And he was given this fantastic answer. And you know, you can feel the, the cough coming. You can just yeah. feel it tickling in the back of your throat. And you're going, oh, God, this is, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I But I can't. I've got to wait for him. And so he finished his answer. And the second he finished his answer, I went... <laughs> to the point where I couldn't speak anymore. I came. Up, I came up for breath. Oh, I'd love if that happened in Frost Nixon. And I was just. And I. It was so bad. I was just going. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And he's just sitting there bemused, going, "No, it's, it's quite all right. I had to call last week. It's fine. Go ahead." And I'm going. Ah! <laughs> oh God. And, and then I go. I try to get myself under control, and I go. Um. Anyway, the next question is... And then I just start again. <laughs> and I'm taking water, and he's just sitting there with his arms folded going, uh-huh, okay, go on. Die on me, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about ghosts, so... I became a sheet with eyes right in front of him. I am... I really... I may include it on the end of the list as a little added bonus. I did um, Dame Lindelof for The Leftovers uh, this year. Anyone who hasn't seen The Leftovers should do, but essentially the premise, if you haven't seen it, is like a portion of the world's population just vanishes. They depart. No one knows where they've gone, and the world kind of goes on without them. And uh, we did a massive talk about the entire show right the way up to the finale. The final question of the interview, and David had been fantastic, uh, I asked him to explain the final scene to talk about the very ending of the show. And he starts talking about it, and then into his third sentence... He just goes, like he departs, essentially vanishes, and I can't get him back. Like the line's gone dead. I can't get hold of him. This is a phone rush. I should have mentioned that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> evaporate in the room. That would I mean, have been you should have led with this story. Yeah. <laughs> the rapture. It wasn't the rapture. No, we were on the phone. I lost him, and I spent nearly 40 minutes trying to get him back, oh. trying to get him back on the phone. It was incredibly hard. I thought, you know, it was the last question. He. He's probably just gone off doing other things. But bless him, he did hang around and he did call me back eventually. And when we got there, he was like, man, I literally talked for 10 minutes. Oh, no. I, just, I opened up about the ending of the show in detail I never have done before. And he goes, and I can think of nothing more appropriate than the fact that you departed one <laughs> sentence into it. He's, um, still, he's still seeking closure. He's still, yeah, so we never got it. He, he desperately tried to recap what he said, but he's like, oh, it's, it's gone, it's gone. It was there and it's, it's vanished. Oh, oh disaster. Phones out. That's the universe trying to tell us something. All right, very, very quickly, we've got two last questions. They're, they're kind of linked, and then we'll get on to our top 20 of the year. Uh, so this is the best score of the year, and then someone else asked, favourite use of a John Denver song this year? <laughs> so the best score? Blade Runner. It's got to be Blade Runner. Mm. Blade Runner was good. It was very good. Uh, it was very I good. I mean, I... Uh, no, I, lo- I really, really love that. I think he did a fantastic job. It's, it's good, um, but it's not the soundtrack to the original Blade Runner, which is one of the greatest scores. I know it's it's not fair to compare it, but it's no, hard not no, to. No, it's not. It's, no. hard, it's very hard not to. <laughs> but then you're right, and for the same reason, like, I'm not going to you know wax lyrical about The Last Jedi score, which, although good, is not classic John Williams. So I suppose if, if that's... You know, fair, then so is this. Questions comes from uh, at Word of Mayo about the score and the comes from John at Den- Hands underscore Zimmer <laughs> at uh, yeah. 
uh, Word of Mayo, uh, who I presume is friends of Word of, of Kermode as well. And uh, I feel like I'm about to go uh, David Lowry style. My, my voice has suddenly got quite husky. Uh, and Lanky Mar- Marlin asked the question about John Denver. So um, which were the three John, John Denvers? At least there were five. There were five. 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 There's Free Fire. Uh, so there's yeah. Free Fire in that. There's uh, Kingsman. There's Alien Covenant. There's Logan Lucky. And there's one other I'm forgetting, but there were five. Oh God! Yeah, and Country right. Roads was at Wasn't least a, three of them. Things yeah. to do in John Denver when you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, wrong. No. Just logistically, that anyway. Um, I think my favourite use was probably Free Fire, which is um, I, I won't talk about it because it's quite spoilerific, but it's quite a funny use of a quite maudlin song. I think my favourite score this year, I'm going to say La La Land because I love that. I, you know, because technically for us, I know Americans are listening to this going, "What? Can we call uh, that a score it, though?" Yeah, of course. I, I can call yeah, it's score. a score as well. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. Yes, we can. Oh, I'm right, fine. All right, so it's done. Um, it's done. So, so what are the other ones that we have that they had last year? Manchester by the Sea, yeah. Moonlight. Um, that's pretty much those three. Yeah. Really. Okay. Fine. Are we counting soundtracks that pre-existing music? Because obviously, sure. Baby Driver Why had not? had an excellent use of music. Yeah, it really um, did. Yeah. And I'd say my favourite is probably the Hocus Pocus. By focus um, moment where it's the foot chase. That's yeah, that's great. That's, that's one great. Of my favorite yeah, that is good. Yeah, um, I'm going to give a shout out then to Guardians too, which mm-hmm. I think had a terrific soundtrack and used it very well. The Mr. Blue Sky um, opening to that yes. film is one of my favorite moments of the year. Magnificent. Should we move on? Let's move yeah, on. Yeah, that's fine. All right. We have a few other questions, but we won't have time to get to them sadly. But uh, you know, but do know that we read your question and we judged it. So <laughs> and ran out of time. And we ran out of time. It was okay. found wanting. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go. Uh, we're going to go through the Empire uh, movies of the year. So what we do is we we all submit our top tens of the year, and uh, then Nick here assigns a very very simple point system to them. Okay, so your number one film of the year gets ten points. Your number ten film of the year gets one point, and so on. And then he counts them all up. Oh, that um, would have been a good way to do it. That is, that's a great way to do it. Instead of pulling names out of a hat, which is what you actually <laughs> did. Uh, so, because someone asked me how Get Out was Empire's film of the year when we only gave it four stars. You well, said I Get Out. I Get Out. Many, including myself, would have given it five, but yep. we gave it four. And I think over time as well, lots of people saw it. Maybe they didn't see it at the time. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And so a lot of people voted for it in the top ten very, very high up. It was my number two. So I haven't seen it when I voted. voted. But let's get to that. We'll get to that second. But we're going to go backwards through the, uh, through the top 20 of the year. And we're going to start with Mother. <laughs> Darren Aronofsky's... Mother? Mother? Not Mother? So what do we think of this? Do we think it deserves this place in the top 20? Helen is laughing because <laughs> Helen thinks we should have done a spoiler special for this. I really, really, really wanted a spoiler special for this, like so, so badly, um, because uh, it just made me laugh more than any other film this year, and not because it's a comedy. Um, it is extraordinarily ambitious, so in that case, in that sense, like super well done, you go guys. Um, but it is completely demented um, and. And its ambition is so sort of overweening that I I just can't process it, and and I'm. It's hard to argue with it being on this list, but it's equally just mad that it's one of the best films of the year. So I'm I'm sort of delighted and appalled simultaneously, which I think is the correct response to anything to do with mother. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, seems fair. Seems fair. What do we think of mother, guys? 
I haven't seen it, and I almost certainly never will. <laughs> Why? But so I, I just it doesn't appeal to me, and at, on any level, <laughs> he wouldn't um, like the baby bit. No, I just think there's lots in it that would upset me, and I saw everyone's faces when they came out of the first screening and thought, mm, not for me. I, so somebody um, suggested that maybe Darren Aronofsky's had a really terrible house party at some point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had because it's just it's just people coming in a house and like breaking stuff and and, <laughs> and stressing out the guy who owns the house and the, the lady who owns the house yeah. and um yeah I, I i found it i'm kind of glad it got made because it's so weird but yeah it's inc- i found it incredibly stressful and i don't think i'll watch it again <laughs> to be honest all right fair enough so uh so that's mother now 20 uh, so a lot of people liked it uh 19 this one surprised me actually this is on the uh, on the list the lost city of said and yes i'm gonna say said because it's about british people and they say said mm. not see said there's a james gray's uh, movie about percy fawcett played by charlie hunnam and uh and his his doomed expedition it's historical not a spoiler to find a lost city are you surprised by that i'm surprised by this beyond because i didn't so think that I. many people had seen it or connected with it yeah well the, the people who who did connect with it really did you know someone like robbie colin at the telegraph i know it, mm-hmm. it, it was his film of his lifetime i think never mind the year um but it is i mean it is very thoughtful and it avoids the easy sort of answers that you might expect of a film like this and and it is a pretty good i think portrayal of obsession and yeah, just that that drive to to know and to find out and to prove other people wrong, um, which can lead to greatness or, in this case, complete disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great performances, not just from Hunnam, but also from um, from like Robert Pattinson and uh, Tom Holland as well, right? So you yeah. know, good, good cast all round. But um, yeah, but yeah, it's just so unexpected. <laughs> Well, this was an odd one. I, I seem to recall from the voting, it wasn't so much that lots of people voted for this, but the people who did put it very, very high yeah, indeed. that does not um, surprise me. Yeah. So I think the few people, because it is underseen, I think those who have seen it really did like it. just arrived on Amazon Instant Video. There you go, there's a plug for Amazon Instant Video. There we go. If you have it, watch it. Uh, other streaming and download services are available. But don't have. But don't have this. The Lost City of said. You can watch The Lost yeah. City of... B. It's interesting because we also got this year. We got Jungle, which was the Daniel Radcliffe film, and Jungle is massive. In which uh, a British actor. <laughs> I'd argue that's not necessarily the case, um, but uh, this is the better film, I would say. Uh, yes, I don't yes, think that's is. a controversial. No, thing. it's not. Con- <laughs> I reviewed Jungle. It's definitely not controversial. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe is excellent in Jungle. A Jungle is not excellent for Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> and this is definitely the, the best Charlie Hunnam performance of the year. Um, what were the other King ones? Arthur, Legend of the Oh, God. Oh, yeah. yeah. King Arthur. That yeah. was this year. Actually, do you know what? That's one of my top scores of the year. It's, okay. it's a really phenomenal score. Number 18 on the list The Florida Project. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Very, very, very good film. Although, again, slightly polarizing. I think some people did not enjoy it, shall we say, in the office. Uh, I thought it was magnificent. Uh, it is. It's fantastic. I think if I were to level any criticism at it, is that, and I don't even know if it's a criticism. I think it, it, to some extent, lacks the courage of its convictions, where it starts as an entirely child's eye view of a scenario, and as the film progresses, your point of view shifts away from Mooney and more onto her mother. I think that's necessary because I think you can't explore certain themes from the child's point of view, and I think you you get echoes of it without ruining the film. There are very mm. certain themes which are 
deliberately child's eye view so you don't understand what's happening until quite late on. You're like, yes. Ooh, and that's quite shocking. Uh, but it's not purely from that point of view. But I, I I'm genuinely love this. The performance is magnificent. Um, yeah. And Go yeah, Sean, Sean Baker absolutely delivering on the performance of ten, uh, on the promise of Tangerine even more so this time. Mm. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal film. Willem Dafoe again, really, really good in this. Great, yeah, got lovely, a lovely character. Golden Globe nomination the other day. Hopefully, yeah. he gets well nominations deserved. at some more serious award shows soon. Indeed. Uh, okay, so that's the Thor project, which is fantastic. Uh, we gave a five, didn't we? Five. I think I did. Okay. You did. Okay. Helen gave it lots of stars. Agree with that? Lots and lots Some of stars. Some of the stars from Helen's Molly's Game Review probably got misplaced nope. and probably need to be moved back. No. Uh. If you want to hear James and Helen arguing about Molly's Game, by the way, uh, which I think you can, because it's not embargoed, I'm guessing, yes, I hope. You can. Uh, I, embargoes be damned. <laughs> listen to the podcast that went out on December 15th, which uh, weirdly hasn't yet been recorded, but I know they're going to argue. So it's going to be fun. All right. Uh, what are we at? Number 17. Am I right? Yeah, mm-hmm. number 17, Assassin's Creed. Now, I'm a bit surprised <laughs> by this one. I oh, think I... you're reading it wrong, Chris. Sorry, sorry. Raw. Yeah. What is it good for? Smackdown. Throw <laughs> <laughs> some John Cena humour there for you. <laughs> this is vegetarian biopic Raw. Yes. Um, yes. This is this is the, uh, the French coming-of-age movie about a young girl who discovers a taste for flesh. Um, and I would throw this in as well with uh, another... A foreign language movie, a coming of age movie called Thelma, which I think got mm-hmm. overlooked by quite a few people. Uh, and it's about a young girl who discovers that she has telekinetic powers and that she begins to fall in love with another young lady. Those powers blossom. And not always for good. Both of these are really, really great. Um, and this one is particularly gory, particularly, particularly raw. Uh, I thought it was an average year for horror, but that was a very, very good entry. Uh, number 16, and this may be surprised. It, it's good that it's in the top 20. I'm surprised it actually didn't make the top 10. Baby Driver. Mm. Yeah, I'm surprised it isn't in the top 10 as well. Um, uh, st- astonishing editing, soundtrack, as we've already discussed. Um, really good performances. Um, and just so unlike anything we else we've seen this year, which I think is a good thing. Is it um, wrong that I'm disappointed Edgar's making a baby driver too? Like, I feel this is a perfect standalone, not experimental, but just bold, original movie, and I feel that somehow that could be lessened by trying to duplicate But maybe he'll do something, I think, not even a maybe, he will do something clever with it and yeah, something different, yeah. I think, so we'll be, we'll be okay. It's very kind of tonally confident, and he's moved away from comedy. It's still got lots of funny stuff in it, but it's also got very good dramatic stuff in it I'd say and um, I really like the last 25 minutes when it kind of kicks into when John Hamm goes bad breaks bad number 15 Manchester by the Sea now this of course is the first of the holdovers because we get the Oscar films by and large in January and February uh, which is why our list has things like La La Land and Manchester by the Sea on it this film absolutely destroyed me 100% my, my like weaknesses are men in plaid trying to control their feelings um, <laughs> People who blame themselves more than the world ever could, and uh, and pa- parent-child death issues. So I was holy gone. Shit. This, <laughs> this right is there. the trifecta right yeah. here. I was a complete mess in this film. It is a phenomenal film. Um, no matter what you've heard, it will still, I think, hit you right in the right in the gut. The the scene between Casey Affleck and Michelle Williams, yeah, uh, is just an extraordinary piece of acting and repressed emotion yeah. and devastation and guilt and blame and all those things. And it's it's absolutely that made me absolutely incredible. Yeah, I, that was one of the scenes that made me cry. Really, it's, it's an amazing scene, and she's not in the film that much, but that scene alone is astonishing. 
Yeah. Yeah. So we both of them, but especially her. So good. Uh, and number 14, it's a slightly different film, is War of the Planet of the Apes. Yes, indeed. The final part of the trilogy. Which is very disappointing, so I thought this would be an ongoing... I mean, talk about universes, but I thought this would be an ongoing thing, and so I was disappointed to feel that this is just three and done. But I really liked Wolf of the Planet of the Apes. It was uh, not so much with the war in it, but there was a lot of emotional punch to it. It looked incredible, and if anything demonstrates the state of the visual art at this point in time, it is that film. And it had poo flinging. It did have poo flinging, <laughs> and I think really any film is significantly improved by that. Is it, but... <laughs> Yeah. If you have any poo, fling it now. <laughs> I liked um, it very much. I, I didn't love it quite as much as some other people, to be yeah, honest. Nor did I. I nor did I. I wasn't, I wasn't, oh, it wasn't on my top ten it list. It didn't feel that much as all of you. Trilogy Kappa to me. They're um, apes. I, I'm, I, the librarian would be proud, Helen. Weirdly, <laughs> actually, weirdly, I'm going to completely contradict myself. I thought it was the best of the trilogy, but it still wasn't anywhere near my top ten. I agree that it's the best of the trilogy, and I think it is excellent, and you are all idiots. Good, excellent. Well, That's great debate there. Glad we've uh, settled on that one. Number 13, Unlucky for Some. And this is a movie I think would have been much higher had more people seen it at the time of voting. Amen. Paddington 2. Cre- no. <laughs> Assassin's Creed. Assassin's Creed for everything. Uh, Paddington 2. Paddington 2 is slightly like my Hunt for the Wilder People of this year in the sense that I have recommended to recommended it to everyone I've spoken to I think since I saw it like people in shops like everybody and no one has complained that they didn't like it as a result Um, I think it genuinely just seems to cross the board and it is so like industrial levels of charming that I just don't understand who wouldn't like it it is extraordinary I think at the time when we did the voting only a handful of us had seen it Yeah, Uh, but I think most of those who did see it put it on their list and it went to number one for me and I had a I had a, a, a debate with someone in the office as well about do you put a film on uh, at number one because of your emotional response to it or do you put a film that is seen as quote unquote a better more important film at number one no nah. uh, I went no I'm going, to, I'm going emotional. Paddington 2 made me feel like no movie has in, since probably the first Paddington, and I, I had to put it at number one. If it's a quote-unquote emotional film that makes you have that emotional response to something like Moonlight, mm-hmm. um, which we'll get to, 100%. Spoiler. But um, you mentioned La La Land a minute ago. How am I spoiling anything? Spoiler. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's not just about... It can't just be about technical merit. We're not... These are not technical awards. Mm. So... Yeah, it's, it's tricky because you have to try and walk a line. Wait. Also, it has technical merit. It has. That's oh, how it makes us incredible. feel these things. Yeah, so. it's incredible. But uh, you, you, your top ten should be what you feel is right, not what you feel other people might be judging you on. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that's Paddington 2, which I think is fantastic. And you know, if it, more people had seen it, I'm sure it would have been in the top ten. Uh, number 12, Thor Ragnarok. Whee! Yes. <laughs> Love a bit of Ragnarok. Yeah. Love this film. Marvel, I'm, and we disagreed a little on this, I, Marvel's first outright comedy. Flat out comedy. This is a comedy. Bring, it's not an action bring. film with comedy in it. It's bring, a comedy. Bring. Hello, I'm just getting a phone call. It's from Ant-Man. And Ant-Man <laughs> says, hello, how's it going? And I'd say, Ant-Man, you were great as a drama with lots of comedy in it. A drama? What? Well, Absolutely. okay, drama's not the right word. But you know what I mean? It's, it's an action film with, with more comedic elements than most 
of the other MCU films. I feel like you're getting I feel like you're getting yourself in tying yourself in knots just by trying to claim that this is the first. Like if you just claim it's the funniest, like no one's going to argue with you. But if you say first, then we all have to argue with you because you're wrong. No, I'm not. It's fine. It's right. Anyway, was, was hilarious, and mostly <laughs> unintentionally. <laughs> I think we can all agree though that it's very, very good. Yes, it and is very good, and uh, a huge. A, a lovely, refreshing surprise for me at the, uh, at the end. I thought it was, a, you know, a, a pretty good year for comic book movies. I uh, thought so too, um, mm, with a couple of exceptions. Mm, is it though? Well, there All was right. okay. So, so okay. there was there was Justice League, which was the, Justice League is the is the outlier. Uh, otherwise, you have Guardians Two, you have Spider Man Homecoming. Which was not great. Yes, it was. I didn't love Guardians, but but, Guardians but he's right. Film. Otherwise, you've got Guardians Logan, two. Wonder Woman, yeah, yeah. Spider Man yeah. Homecoming, yeah. yeah. Uh, stepping outside the superhero genre, you have Wilson, you have Atomic Blonde. Death of Stalin. Death of Stalin, Death of Stalin, he's absolutely right. right. I take it back, you're absolutely right. However, I do stand by the fact that Guardians 2, while I enjoyed it and has amazing moments in it, is not one of Marvel's stronger films. I would agree with you. Mm. I also agree. Holy shit, I've been out photo, guys. <laughs> You've been grouted. Let me just, let me just re-jig my top ten. It was fine, it was fine. It's just, I haven't really thought about it since I left. I thought it was okay. Well, we're not going to be talking about it because none of you fuckers voted for us. It's not in the top 20. That's right. I'd say, I'd say it had too big an ego. Hey. <laughs> that's really, really the problem with that one. Oh, that's good. All right, number 11, a film I love as well, The Big Sick. Yeah. Yes. Super charming film. So good. That should have been higher. It should, shouldn't it? should have been it? higher. Genuinely. That was my second favourite comedy of the year. After Thor Ragnarok, which is Marvel's first comedy, mm-hmm. um, yeah, really, really made me laugh. Uh, I also, <laughs> also really enjoyed the thing that you did in the magazine uh, Thanks, with, with Kumail and his wife, just going through the what's true, what's not stuff. Yeah, because obviously it is sort of semi-autobiographical. Yeah, it is. Uh, really, really charming film, just lovely. Holly yeah. Hunter, fantastic in it as well. Yeah, it's a comedy with the emphasis heavily on the. Coma? Coma? It's a comedy. It's such a good movie. I, I can't wait to see it again. It's coming out very, very soon on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, don't ask me when. But uh, yeah, that's great. And for me, that's 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 a top ten film. Uh, now we're into this our top ten. And this is a top ten I'm very, very happy with. I think this is great. This is very Empire, this top ten. It is a broad church. You have blockbusters. You have indie movies. You have art house stuff. You have... Um, what else do you have? You have Assassin's Creed, obviously. Right, so number ten. Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal film. Just gorgeously moving. Yeah, this is a movie that uh, I had not seen when we were voting for it, and I haven't really considered my top ten since, but it would certainly be lurking around the edges of it. Uh, it's it's one of those films, it's a bit like a ghost story for me, in that it's a film I've been I've found it very hard to get out of my mind since I saw it. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a really sensual experience. It's obviously mm. about uh, Timothy Chalamet, uh, f- uh, his young seventeen-year-old uh, boy falling in love with Army Hammer during a sun-kissed six weeks in uh, in northern Italy, and it's a really languid, really beautiful film filled with great performances. And it's one of those. If I'm honest, at the time when I watched it, and this, this is exactly like a ghost story for me, at a time when I when I, when I watched it, I was like, eh, it's fine, it's good, I can see, it's it's great, it does what it, it does, you know, it's it's interesting. Ghost story in particular, it feels like I'm not sure how I feel about it at the time. It's a bit cold, maybe I'm not quite getting it. But afterwards, the images and certain scenes just embed themselves in your mind, and yeah. you can't stop thinking about them. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah the, the final shot is stuck in my head. 
um, of Call Me By Your Name. Of Call Me By Your Name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it plays this this shot with the credits. Yeah. It's, I don't know if we can talk about it, but it's um, it's an amazing way to end the film. It's a fantastic scene, and the, the performances are so good, and it takes its sweet time getting there. Uh, and yeah, top ten, well done for Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Ghost Story, by the way, is not in the top ten. Uh, or indeed the top 20. but it, And it didn't make my top 10, ultimately. It's one of those movies that just kind of bounced around a bit like Brawl and Sailblock 99, or John Wick Chapter 2, honestly, for me, or even Free Fire, Ben Whitley's Free Fire. Movies that were just on the cusp of the top 10, and, mm. or Monster Calls, which came out January 1st. Such a great film. So it did. But oh. it's just, you're just looking at the top 10, you're going... Oh, oh. Was Silence January 1st Silence as well? Silence was Jan 8. That nearly got on my top 10. Really? Yeah, that, I okay. thought that was really, really impressive, actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for a film to live with you that long, Monster Calls is one of the films this year that absolutely destroyed me. Yeah. January was a fantastic month because it started off with Monster Calls, uh, Silence, uh, Manchester by the Sea, and basically, and then Moonlight comes in in February, and you're just basically getting your emotions kicked around in like the saddest yeah. month of the year. It's super important to hydrate during January when seeing <laughs> these kind of films. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And only one of those was about a man in plaid struggling with his emotions. I know. Well. Uh, I know. All right. Number nine, The Handmaiden. This was my number one of the year. Was it? Really? Gosh. It was. I really like this film. Um, Park Chan-wook, great Korean director. Mm-hmm. And just, um, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but just this brilliantly kind of tangled plot. It's based on a, on a book that originally was set in Victorian Britain and they've moved it to Korea and it's about um, a man and a woman who are trying to basically con... Um, this rich lady into marrying the guy so that they can get her money and it's it's um you don't want to know much more about it than that but it's really this is without a doubt the second best story about handmaids this year (laughs) (laughs) second best tale you might say the other one was about handmaiden which is very different (laughs) (laughs) but um it's got a very erotic octopus in it I mean, that, that old I mean, trope. All you, that's all you need to know. And yeah. if we were in the habit of naming podcasts, that would be the name of this one. So, <laughs> the Erotic Octopus. The Erotic Octopus. There we go. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I, it's mm. very kind of Tarantino-y in a way. It's, mm-hmm. it's a good film. Go it's see a great it. Film. Go yeah. see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know where it's available, Nick? You know where it's available? You know where people can see it right now? Right I genuinely now. don't. It's an Amazon Instant Video. Is it, is it, it is. Amazon? It's an Amazon Prime. Other did, did you streaming know services. Other streaming services are available, but uh, none of them have the handmaid. <laughs> well, some of them might, but just on VOD rather than... But this is true. Yeah. Number eight, Logan. Yay! Yes. Love a bit of Logan. Which bit? All of it. Really. <laughs> Especially, although, weirdly, the last shot, obviously, being my favourite bit, which I will not discuss for those few people who've ridiculously still not seen this amazing film. I've got claws and I'm going to use them! Yeah, it, it was an unexpected musical number. Um, <laughs> the, amazing in colour, amazing in black and white, mm-hmm. as it turns out. Yeah, really beautiful. Um, did you see Logan Noir, Lynn? Uh, obviously, yes. judging from what you just said. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where did you see it? Well, we had a screening of it. Did we? Yes. Were you not there? No, I was not there. Oh, there was. Yes, there was an Empire screening of it. Sadly, I was up a mountain in Nepal at the time, but I did see it at... um, (laughs) brag. There you go. What a Nepali anecdote. (laughs) I did see it later on Blu-ray. It's beautiful. It is. Um, But it's just just a great film, and I think it, it... takes a superhero you know material and then just treats it differently to anything we've seen before treats it with a seriousness and a weight that we're not used to seeing um which also works bring, and i think bring, bring. so i'm just getting a phone call through oh, here uh, hello hello oh hello spawn <laughs> oh, no, <wait. laughs> wrong number yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah it was michael joy white he got confused <laughs> 
Yeah, as I was saying. Um, but no, I just think it's it's beautifully acted by by the three principals, principally. Um, but just just I just I mean, really like it's, it. Um, it's it's interesting. I think there is a kind of Logan effect going on in Hollywood at the moment mm. because um, it showed that you can take a big franchise and go small. This won't work for everything. Not everything should be you know dark and end up with the, the way this ends up. But yeah. when it's done well and it's done right and it's done for the right reasons, I think it, it works brilliantly. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he's right. You know, not everything. We can't keep escalating the stakes. Yeah. And I think the, the best superheroes right, films right now are the ones that realise that and tailor their story to the characters. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that's this why is what, Justice League. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because that's, that's the main problem is they, they're just doing it over and over again. Like, it has to be the world blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it has to be about characters first. These are characters. Exactly. Stories. Spectacle is a symptom, you know, but you should. But character is the disease? Yeah, but character, <laughs> character is a disease. Cobra is the cure. DC is the cure. No, Cobra is the cure for everything. I just, I would like to point out at this point that Logan has made more money worldwide than Justice League on about, what, a third or a quarter mm. of the budget. So, you know, it should. People will learn something from that. I and think. Long- at, at time of recording, at time of recording, Justice League may have made more money by the time you listen to this. Number seven, as James has already expanded about this at great length, God's Own Country. God's Own Country. This is an incredibly poignant film. It's really, really powerful. Um, and really, one of my scenes of the year is, is in this. But have you seen, you've seen the bath? The bath? The bath scene in this? Mm-hmm. That scene with him and his dad in the bath just destroyed me. It's so emotional. Really, really powerful. Loved it. That's James's favourite film this this year set north of Watford. It is. And I wonder if this is your favourite film this year set south of Watford. Uh, it's Dunkirk. <laughs> yes. Chris Nolan's Dunkirk. This is south of Watford, isn't it? I'm, ju- I'm right in saying it that. Is, that yeah. is correct. Okay, yes. thank you. Phew. I'm going to say do something well geography. quite pretentious about Dunkirk, and that's that. This is two films. It is a film scene on IMAX, and it is a film scene in a standard cinematic format, and they are two different experiences. And I do genuinely believe you should watch both of them or just watch it on IMAX but definitely make sure that one of your Dunkirks is an IMAX experience mm. I have not seen this film on IMAX because well, this was the still... first time they've used handheld IMAX cameras right yes so. and this is why Chris you've watched Dunkirk but you haven't seen it <laughs> <laughs> oh god then riddle me this how is this still in my top 10 of the year well, I was blown. So would I be even more blown yes, away by it yes, if, I, if I watched it on IMAX even more impressed. what's different it's bigger ooh well done <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't in my top ten. I'm gonna, I'm gonna confess. It wasn't it, in mine either. It's, um, I thought, it, you know, as a spectacle, obviously, it's very, very impressive. Although, you know, you could have maybe retconned some of the 1970s buildings in the background, but sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, and ships, Helen. Th- those were buildings, Chris. Uh, but it, yeah, some some fantastic elements to it. I find the timey wimey stuff um, frustrating and not as effective as I thought it should have been. Mainly because it didn't. It wasn't Actually, a week. It didn't. Yeah, it was wrong. Like the chronology is all over the place. That's. But yeah. you know, he he tried to do something with that, and I didn't like it. Yeah. I, um, yeah. My my issue was that he's already done that with Inception, and I think he did it better in Inception. Yeah. Inception. So that's one of my. I, I love the Dunkirk, but that was one of my. I love the Dunkirk. Oh, the Dunkirk. <laughs> I love great. Love 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 a bit of Dunkirk. Um, Number five. I don't know why I did that. I, don't know. Number, number I know five, why you did. You're looking five. at the picture. Number five is the death of Stalin. But this, I'm not. Wait, I, no, because I'm doing it. It's Cornish, isn't it? I don't, know, I don't know. know what I'm doing. Um, this was my number one, actually, um, of the year. I thought. I think it's a phenomenal, phenomenal film. It's hilarious, but literally all the comedy comes from the fact that they're all monsters, mm. and um, and the film doesn't 
compromise on that and it doesn't cover that up um, and and I think that's really important to do if you're going to make a film like this about a real world subject and about people who've done terrible terrible things I think there's a tendency sometimes to accuse people of making light of for example the millions of victims of these men and I don't think it does even slightly um, it, it keeps the the eye on the yeah. on the victims uh, enough that that doesn't happen um, and, uh, and and I think we've both read the book it's based on Nick and, and it is a fairly serious you know um, graphic novel mm-hmm. um, and, and he's been fairly faithful to it while at the same time making it hilarious which is a, an amazing act of alchemy so full marks to Armando Iannucci and the entire cast but most especially of course Jason Isaacs who's just brilliant Always. just so good it's um yeah this was like my two or three um favorite comedy of the year by far yeah um just so funny but does have dark moments like you say and walks that line very delicately but just watching this bunch of actors together is just amazing having michael palin in there paul whitehouse um it's it's like an incredible ensemble cast but yeah i've seen it a few times simon russell beale as well my god he's so good in it and so terrifying yeah very dark character Mm. um but I mean, just to have the, the kind of the balls to take on, do a comedy about this subject. Yeah. And not everybody thought that thinks that, that they should have done it. But um, I think it works amazing. No, I don't think they shouldn't have done it. I just didn't like it very much. I, I found it really oppressive and claustrophobic because of comedy. And I, I found myself, I stopped laughing about an hour in. Um, and uh, I get what Armando Iannucci is going for. And the performances are great. And it's very, very whip smart and brilliantly written. But, uh, you know, I do like to laugh at my comedies. And I just, did, I felt that I didn't. I never stopped. I think it's brilliant. You, you must have been exhausted. I mean, I didn't laugh quite as hard as I did in Mother, but... <laughs> Jesus. Genuinely. <laughs> All right. Uh, number four, Moonlight. Oh, another film that will absolutely destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and gorgeous performances. Gorgeous cinematography as well, actually. I don't think it, that's been talked about enough. Um, and, and just a, a look at, you know, loneliness and the way that... a damage in childhood can affect us for the rest of our lives and the armour that we build for ourselves and the way that that can trap us as much as it protects us it is just a stunning film practically plot free but it, you don't miss it I just think you're you're so wrapped up in this in this one man's life and uh, yeah absolutely haunting haunting gorgeous wonderful film hell of a year for um, uh, movies about gay relationships and gay themed movies certainly mm, three yeah, here three in the top ten yeah. alone uh, it seems to be a bit of a sea change in the attitudes I won't say Hollywood because obviously Gods and Country is as far removed from Hollywood as you can possibly get Yeah, but certainly a sea change in maybe audiences attitudes to, to movies like this to embracing films like this Call Me By Your Name I know is doing very well at the box office in terms of you know limited releases in one sure, of the yeah. states and it's going to be a, an Oscar front runner so that's that's fascinating to see mm-hmm. this also gave us of course the greatest moment of the year which was Moonlight actually winning the Oscar um, which was the most yeah. extraordinary thing to happen in film in a very long time what genuinely happened? <laughs> Remind me. <laughs> you mean when La La Land's cast and crew went up on stage, having been announced as the winners of the best picture at the Oscars, oh, the big yeah. one, and yeah. then had to, uh, you know, a couple of minutes into the speeches, uh, discovered that they hadn't won and that Moonlight <laughs> had. I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know... That's 2017 in microcosm, isn't it? I mean, it kind of is. <laughs> it, was cha- it was chaotic and it must have been awful for the La La Land bunch and they have handled it with grace and uh, enormous dignity, I have to say, but it, it was 
just a, an astonishing moment for yeah for film. Yeah, Chris, you got to talk to Warren Beatty about that. Didn't I you, did on, the, on this very podcast. I did, and I forgot to mention it in my great interview experiences of the year because that was that was that was a lot of fun, uh, and he was he was pretty awesome. Um, Assuming for a second I didn't listen to that podcast, uh, what did he say? I can't remember. He basically didn't realize he'd been given the best actress. Yeah, and just didn't know how to deal with it. No, he just he he, he opened up. He saw La La Land in big letters, and but he didn't assumed. read it out. He oh, clearly no, he, sees the problem, and he, he looked, looked around. Oh, yes. and he was and going, she's the one who leans over and goes La La Land, and he's like, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people people thought that he had thrown Faye Dunaway under the bus, but I think he was basically looking at her, going, oh, she what are we doing? Look at this. Yeah. She, look, at the, <laughs> yeah. look, at the, look at the tape. She was driving. She the doesn't bus. look at him. No, she doesn't. She look, she's looks at the card and just announces this grin, just staring at the camera. Why are you taking so long, Warren? Oh, La La Land, and he's like, no, God. Basically, they were both put in a position they should never have been in by the. Accountant. Yeah, that's right. Yep. As are we all at one point or another. That's <laughs> all true. All right. So uh, one of the one of the year's biggest moments was uh, Moonlight unexpectedly beating La La Land. Moonlight at number four. Number three, La La Land. <laughs> is that yeah. right? Can we just double check the count on that one, please, Nick? It's correct. It is correct. It is correct. Nick has Nick has first. I've right. done all the accounting. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. Faye Dunaway has just texted me. She says yes. It is in fact. <laughs> La La Land at number three. Dunners. Uh, I've got you've got her on your phone as Dunners. Uh, Nick, Dissemblian and Dissemblian accountants are responsible for this. La La Land is number three. Helen is overjoyed. At I this. think this is a plus key. Uh, carry on, sorry. <laughs> the, the problem with La La Land is, is it's fantastic, and we spent the whole of January playing the soundtrack and getting excited, and now twelve months in. I'm just a bit done. You know I mean? But it, but it is fantastic. And if if it had come out this month, I'd still be singing the songs. Yeah, sure, fine, whatever. I, I am still singing the songs. Yeah, you know it has many good bits. So I'm glad that you're magnanimous enough to admit that after 12 months of of what was it the I Hate La La Land blog? If you want to go <laughs> Helen O'Hara, do you have a website? Uh, I should do, shouldn't I? No, I don't. Uh, it should. seems like an awful lot of work. Yeah. yeah, but okay. um, but it would be um, Helen O'Hara dot com slash I hate la 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 obviously <laughs> uh, alright so speaking of films that would not be that wouldn't be in your top 10 it was not in my top 10 now uh, our number 2 film of the year wouldn't be anywhere near my top 10 it nope. is Blade Runner 2049 <sighs> you are a hater aren't you you're a I'm not a hater heartless shell I'm not a man. hater I'm a shrugger uh-huh. I'm a shrugger this movie is Chris one shrugged. giant shrug mm. very pretty shrug yeah very, very uh, well photographed shrug um, big up Roger Deakins yeah Woo-woo. yes the Deke was on fine form. He was. But then I don't like, I'm not a fan of Blade Runner. So, yeah. Still Spider-Man Homecoming, isn't it? Right? <laughs> I appreciate the original Blade Runner. Um, I appreciate many things, although not all things about this. Um, don't love either. And really didn't love this. So Wow. All right. Okay, okay people who love the film, defend it. Go. Yeah. Go. Why um, is Blade Runner 2049, which is a movie I know people freaked out over, uh, on number two on our list? I enjoy the colour orange. Well done. Okay, number one. <laughs> it's got it's got a lot of great stuff in it. It is. I mean, a it's, it's, it's it. a it's a mood piece though. It's not a narratively driven film. It I'd argue there's too much plot. Too much plot. Really? Yeah, I'd agree. Too much plot in it. Definitely. I that's one of its pro- that that's one of its problems. Yeah. It's it's. Do you find it hard to follow? It's too plotty. I, I see. Um, I, it I, is I, hard. Of course, it's hard to follow. For me, it was more. I, I, I must admit, I didn't find it hard, hard to follow at all. I I really enjoyed just 
the sense of place, the sense of being, the sense of time. You know, I really found myself just inhabiting that movie throughout the duration of it. And I liked that it was ponderous and I liked that it was slow. Um, and it obviously helped that we saw it in that glorious IMAX screen. Uh, I have a, I'm not on commission. I think it with could have been. <laughs> 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 I think uh, no, but it does, it does look great. It's yeah, never going to look better. This yeah. brought to you by Amazon Video and IMAX <laughs> Cinemas. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a stunning experience. I came out and just thought that was just amazing. Uh, Plot-wise, really, I was kind of... I mean, the plot, I followed it fine. I was I, I was a little indifferent to it. I almost think that almost wasn't what I wanted from it or what I got from the film. Yeah, that's because there's too much um, plot. Yeah, they did. Robin Wright's character did not need to be in the film. I thought that was... Oh, I, Robin Wright needs no to be reason. in every film, but yes, um, I see what you're saying. You know, the, the character of Love, I thought, was a bit of a generic martial arts fighting villainess I, I don't know I, I there were bits of it I didn't love but there are some amazing sequences I think the scene where he goes back and has his baseline test oh interlink it's one interlink. of my favourite scenes of the year cells yes. interlinked amazing um, but um, yeah I, I, I'm definitely going to watch this film a lot I can tell uh, as, as indeed will Chris and Helen I think we've agreed oh so sure good. Mm-hmm. you're going to love our Blade Runner 2049 <laughs> which we are doing we are doing a Blade Runner 2049 supporter special because finally we got an interview with the director Denis Villeneuve uh, Nick did that uh, a few weeks ago we're holding out for the film's DVD and Blu-ray release which will be at the end of January haven't recorded it yet so who knows maybe I'll watch it again for that and maybe I will love it and my, my opinions would be transformed could be that's hope maybe in 30 years time I will love it who mm. knows who knows but there you go number two film of the year is Blade Runner 2049 and number one film of the year Get out. So interestingly, you said you didn't think it's been much of a year for horror, uh, and yet a horror film is our number one film of the year. Mm. There hasn't been and maybe the the number of some of recent years. You know, it, the It Follows, the Babadooks, mm. the mm. Girl Walked Home Alone. Well, it comes night. tonight. Got a lot of buzz, didn't it? Like lots of people yeah. were bigging that up. I must admit, I was a little underwhelmed by that. We had yeah. it. We it's did have it. Good, yeah. We did have it. It's Lots of it. It comes at night. Huge. It, it just is. a lot of money for yeah. for a horror film, mm. um, and I'm really excited to see who they cast in the next one. Um, but we had Raw, which is a, a horror film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's been a great year for Annabelle Creation. Do not forget about Annabelle Creation. How could you? How could Life we? is a horror film, I'd say. Yes, Dark, it is. The Dark it Tower, is. which isn't a horror film. But <laughs> horror, <laughs> it's horror, it's horror <laughs> it was horrifying, yeah. yeah. Baywatch, um, Jesus. <laughs> and, yeah. No, this, uh, Get Out I saw very recently, so I didn't vote for it, but, I mean, it really is very, very good indeed. Would it have been in your top ten? Uh, it would have been in my top ten. It wouldn't have been in my top Five it would have been in my lower mm. five of the ten, but uh, yes, I thought it was great. I it think was it nice. was yeah. two or three for me. I think it was my number one for a long, long time because the film blew me away. Uh, and then I saw uh, a, a bear that loves marmalade, and it made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> and I just went to number one. But Get Out is fantastic. This the, did the it, debut of Jordan. Get King. Out did need a marmalade eating bear. <laughs> it really did. It that would have been a shock reveal. It would have just put it over the edge. This is a really smart film. It's a really funny film, really darkly funny film, but also quite broadly funny film at times mm. as well, as you might expect, given Jordan Peele's comedic background. But it's also it's a very dark film, uh, quite scary, quite quite gory. Uh, it has a lot of things to say about the racial defiance in America and I thought it was absolutely terrific uh, and I had a, had a real blast with it and I can't remember many debuts as assured as this yeah. stylistically just uh, the, the iconic images that have come out of this oh, for, oh, first, for a first time yeah. director yeah, yeah. with the teacup the spoon going around the teacup yeah. the, yeah. the shot of him there with tears running down his face mm. um, and the um, yeah the scene where the stuff where he's kind of inside that sort of weird the sunken, place. The, the sunken, sunken place. place. That's yeah. what I'm looking sunken for. Sunken place. Um, just for, for a guy who's making his first film to come up with that. that image. Yeah, that was astonishing. The other thing is I watched this recently with um, with a, a big audience of young people and um, there's a moment where a police car draws up 
And the reaction in the cinema was astonishing. And I think it's fascinating the the way that the film plays with your expectations and in fact the differing expectations of what a police car means yeah. to white people and black people. <coughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you get to the point in the film when that car can, when that car turns up that you think you know what's going to happen and you're terrified. Mm-hmm. Um, that I think is really just effective storytelling. Yeah. And also just, you know, it goes back to Roger Ebert's whole thing of cinema being an empathy machine. It absolutely puts you in his shoes and keeps you there for the entire film. And I think that's a very um, important thing to do, um, actually. It has one of the most satisfying rampages of revenge I can remember <laughs> yeah. for, for a while. Uh, it's uh, it's a really great, great film. And uh, Jordan Peele, you know, I think it's going to maybe not be in the Oscar conversation, which is a bit of a shame, but... Uh, yeah. It, it, it still matter. might be in there. I mean, it'll be in the best screenplay category at the very I least. Think it'll, I think it'll hopefully get a nomination there. But uh, I would say Daniel Kaluuya is really, really great in he this. Is, yeah. And as is the entire cast, it's some of my favourite scenes of the year. There's one of the great reveals of the year. We haven't really talked about that in car the keys. podcast. The car keys oh, sequence. I mean, it's so good. Um, it's it's one of it's one of my favourite scenes and, of the um, year. Lil Ral Howery, if I'm saying his name correctly, is uh, was one of my unsung heroes of the year. I thought he was glorious in this. It's his best mate. It's his best mate. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Very very good. His, very, his very mate good. Rod. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's uh, it is a cracking cracking film. So get out and we'd be fascinated to see what Jordan Peele does next. Now, Amen. something I should point out at this stage: the gr- the best films of the year list was done before. Oh God! The Last yeah. Jedi yeah. came out, so the Last Jedi is not on this list because mm. yes. none of us had been able to see it when we did it. The Last Jedi will be added to our list of the year and will have been added to it before this goes out. And also, we made our list before the Flatliners remake. <laughs> um, also true. Also and Jumanji, true. Welcome to the Jungle, is and my the Greatest Showman. Three. But if you if you want yeah, to see that's the, topple, topple the top ten definitive final list, it will be on the website. So go and have a look. Would it be in your top ten? Would, oh, would the last Jedi be in your top ten? Shadow of a doubt. Yes. Where would it be? <laughs> number one. <laughs> I mean, it'd be it would be at number two, maybe after the four star masterpiece that is Molly's game. I think that's probably. Right. <laughs> Good lord! It didn't even come out this year, and you're wrong. Oh my god! If if Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed a Star Wars film, you'd be just salt, wouldn't you? You'd just be you'd just be <laughs> Kylo's game. <laughs> oh, I've been making. <laughs> Helen, would Star Wars be in your top ten? Do you know what? I'm not sure. Um, uh, for reasons that we'll get into when we discuss it a bit more, but I had I had a lot of issues with uh, the storytelling in the end uh, of the ending of the last sort of third of the well, no, the last not even third, like sixth of the film. Yeah, I had some issues with the storytelling, and I think that might take it out of the top ten for me. Um, but then again, I mean, Wonder Woman made my top ten despite me having issues with the storytelling there at the end. So you yeah. know, it, it, it might well get in there. Nick, would Star Wars be on your list? It would. It would. Um, it wouldn't be right up the top, but it would be in there. Um, if it had more porgs, I think it would have <laughs> had a shot at the number one. But um, yeah, I liked it very much. I'm like, mm-hmm. Helen, I had a few issues, but we will talk about that later. We will. Uh, as for my, uh, we'll make it to my top ten. I've just had a look at the list, guys, and let me just, just move it around. Just we can realize it better. Okay. Uh, it's number 11. Oh, no, oh. it's number 11. It just, oh, just... Squeaked by, just squeaked by. And uh, we are going to have a Star Wars spoiler special, are we not? We are going to have a Star Wars Last Jedi spoiler special. We are. Uh, it is out on January 15th. Whether it comes forward or not, 
we don't know but at the moment it's going to be January 15th so do keep an appeal for that and that is going to be with Ryan Johnson the writer and director of the film spilling the beans on all mm. the big revelations zombie hand solo poor Gorgie all the stuff that you really <laughs> wanted to know about it's all in there so I'm very very excited about that uh, we're going to wrap this up but before we do what film one film from all of you that is not in the top 20 of the year should be in the top 20 of the year. Well, well, Chris, um, it's, it's, it's funny you should it's, ask. It's not out this year, James. It's not out no. this year. That's it. No. I'm going to say Wonder so- Woman. Um, just because it probably gave me more joy than anything else not in the top 20 this year. And, uh, and I thought it was really good. And I also think it's going to have a huge effect on Hollywood going forward. And hooray for that. I'm going to say John Wick Chapter 2 oh, because yeah. I loved every minute of it. It's so good. <laughs> Gee, I stop. Yeah, I'm thinking. I'm... <laughs> Just kidding. The snowman. No, um, Brawl, Brawl and Cell Block 99. Oh, good call. Um, good call. A film which admittedly I had to watch in chunks because I was crying. You, everyone was, was everyone watched that film in chunks. Wincing my way through it, but um, what a film. Um, but he, Craig Zahler has become one of, the, one, of the, one of the main directors to watch, I think. And um, Bone Tomahawk was uh, fantastic as well. And it's exciting. He's got another one out next year. Mm-hmm. Dragged across concrete mm-hmm. with Vince Vaughn again, and I think that's uh, that's one to watch. Very excited, very excited by that one. And yeah, I'm going to go with Wonder Woman as well. It's the only film on my top ten list that we have not talked about. And uh, if I'm honest, I'm surprised it wasn't in the top twenty. Yeah, me too. Uh, but actually, when I saw the the list, uh, very few people voted for it. I think you and I were the only ones who had it quite high up as well. Uh, the last twenty minutes is not good. Everything that goes before is fantastic and made me feel like I felt when I saw Superman the movie as a kid. So there we go. That is it for our review of the year. There's loads of stuff we haven't had a chance to talk about, but don't worry, there's always next year, right? Right? Yeah. Right, right President Trump? <laughs> well, let's hope so. Right, Kim Jong-un? Got next year, right? Okay, we're all good. Everyone's good. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Thanks, of course, to uh, my star-studded panel of guests, James Dyer. Goodbye. Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. Nick Dissemlian Adios and it's goodbye for me as well we are off to celebrate the new year I hope you do too in suitably responsible fashion have a great one thanks for listening Happy New Year Happy New Year everybody bye bye <laughs> <laughs>